<clears throat> I think my voice is the last vestiges of my voice are going to be lost just recording this podcast. Mm. Yeah, I'm lucky I haven't really spoken to anybody all day, so I've got to be with it. You've, you, your voice is recovered. There we go. Right. This is going to be a very, very enjoyable podcast. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to the Jackass, the Swansea City podcast. I am Gitterlewilin, and with me, as always, we have Matt Brocku and Steve Carroll. How are you, boys? Very, very good. Yeah, we've had worse days. <laughs> well, Joe, you, know what? you uh, Jackass listeners, you've had to put up with quite a few kind of miserable, frustrated podcasts this uh, this season. It was all worth it for this one because this one is just going to be non-stop celebration, gloating, joy, schadenfreude on levels that you have never witnessed before. Steve, let's go to you first. I mean, did you at any point before yesterday's game envisage a situation where we could have possibly gone away to Cardiff and won by four goals to nil? No, is the very short answer to that one. Um, like I, I did say last week, I wasn't overly confident. I thought Cardiff were the favourites, but I mean, it's just such a seismic moment in the the history of the fixture, really, isn't it? Because of what's happened. I mean, no one was predicting that. You never think there's going to be a drubbing in a derby. You never think an away team is going to do it. Like a mate of mine was taking a selfie of me and him with ten minutes to go celebrating. Like you, that doesn't happen on derby day. Like especially away from home, it's. Uh, like it was, well, we've lived dreams in the past of this club, but yesterday was a very special day. And I think, uh, you know, if we didn't enjoy yesterday, then uh, it's pointless bothering because, of, you know, it was, it's one of the greatest moments we've ever had following this club and uh, you just don't want it to end. I mean, as away, as away days go, going away to your biggest rivals and winning 4-0, it's, it's what dreams are made of. That's the kind of thing that you gloat about for not just years, for decades. People will be talking about Saturday for for absolute years, and they will count it among the very best away days. Even though we, you know most of the fans weren't allowed to travel to the game independently, even though you know there was no chance to kind of go to pubs. Uh, well, once you were on the buses beforehand, etc. You know, you have to be bussed back to Swansea after the game. Even after, even when you take everything like that into consideration, it was still just dreamland. And um, Matt, I mean, I, I, 4-0, I mean, we've beaten them 3-0 a couple of times, and those have been emphatic wins where you've been able to say categorically there is a gulf in class here between the two teams. But 4-0 is an absurd scoreline. I mean, we haven't won a league game by four goals since 2013 when Michael Loudrup was in charge. You're talking nearly 10 years since we last won a league game by four goals. And we've done it away at Cardiff. It's insane, isn't it? I, I don't know what we I don't know what we're doing now. Um I don't know where we go from here. I think this is it, isn't it? I mean when you when you and you were the first team after Cardiff spent a couple of years knocking on the door of the Premier League and then we come up on the outside and just do it the first time of asking um, the first time we got on the out, uh, on the on the on the uh, ready for it um, you just think wow you know we've really done them here yeah? and 
now you go and win a derby, a uh, double, or should we call it dub, <laughs> for um, a 7-0 aggregate, 4-0 away from home, 3-0 at home. I don't know what we do as supporters to top today. We could do the double every year. I don't know if it will ever be as special as this year, as what we have just experienced. The magnitude of it, the first time, the fact that we spoke only a few days ago on this podcast about how, even though you'd think odds are it will eventually happen, it had managed to evade both teams for 110 years. And that we did it, and we did it in the manner that we did it. The, the, the way we played, the, everything about it. We, one of our most biggest frustrations on this podcast this season is that we know what we're capable of, but we were so inconsistent and we'd start showing bits of it and you think, oh God, Huddersfield, our second half, etc. games like that. And you're thinking, yeah, we can see what's coming here. And then bang, it'll all go to shit. Yesterday was possibly the first time I've seen a 90-minute performance for us this season. You know, in that terms of that magnitude, to put in a performance like that and to put it in all game and with the energy and desire that we just wanted to be first at every loose ball. I I, I reiterate my first point, Kato. I don't know where we go from here. This is it. This is the pinnacle. We'd have to win a European competition, I think. <laughs> it, it's mad, isn't it, that we are celebrating this much, even though... I mean, for both teams, there was no, there's nothing left in the season to play for. We're going to end up probably you know, mid-table, probably lower mid-table this season. Um, and yet, you know, we, we've somehow managed to pluck that kind of result out of this pretty, you know, mediocre season on the whole. I mean, Steve, 7-0 on aggregate. We wait 110 years for one of these teams to complete the double. And we do it with an aggregate score of 7-0. And... It just emphasises the superiority in this. I think that's what Cardiff fans are going to are just feeling particularly awful about is that it just reinforces something that's that's been there now for a number of years. I mean, in the last it, in the last seven derbies, it's one win for Cardiff. It's only one goal for Cardiff. If you added up all the scores from the last seven games, we'd have an aggregate score fourteen to one. That's that you can't get much more emphatic than that. It's it's indisputable. When we sing, there's only one team in Wales. I feel bad for Newport and Wrexham because kind of they shouldn't be dismissed, but Cardiff definitely should because they're not on the same. They, they they're just not on the same playing field as us when it comes to derbies. We raise our game time and time again, and they continuously crumble and get embarrassed time and time again. I mean, it's it's just it cannot be anymore. In it, 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 there's no disputing it anymore. Cardiff simply have no nothing to brag about. They have got no leg to stand on when it comes to this. They are an inferior club in every single way. Well, yeah, they are. I mean, when you uh, roll off those stats, I mean, could you, obviously we had four moments of just pure elation yesterday, didn't we? Can you imagine that they have not had a single moment of that when they've been in the ground, like I say, since October 2013? I mean, you would just despise it, wouldn't you? Because let's be honest, everyone does have a bit of dread for Derby Day, especially during the week. It's it's nervy. Then you get in there and you're just praying for some good moments and obviously that it'll go your way. But then even if you, I suppose if you get a nil-nil, which we did have one, didn't we, a couple of years ago, at least you haven't had the moments of pain, even if you haven't had the moments of joy. But it always feels... 
like that anti-climax if you haven't scored in the derby, I think. But to have gone that long without it, I mean, you would just despise this fixture, which makes it all the more bonkers that they seem to have this arrogance and thing of thinking that they were going to do the job. I mean, I was on Radio Wales on Friday night and there was a lady on there called Donna and she was saying, oh, there's no way Swansea are going to do the double and all this type of thing. And, you know, she must just feel so stupid. I'd, I'd love to see her face, to be honest, because it's, it is just ridiculous how they ever seem to get these ideas into their head. And, um, you know, I think we're the good thing about us is that we never do. I think we, we always have a degree of confidence about that we can do the job. But we, we never get like complacent with it, I think. And it, it seems to rub off on the players as well. They always seem to be up for it, don't they? And like I say, Cardiff seem to... The amount of times they've turned in gutless displays in this fixture is crazy, really. So, um, you know, we're just very lucky that we're, we're going through a time like this. And, you know, yesterday, at the end of the day, we, we gave a hide-in to our rivals on their own turf, which is probably the greatest thing in a single game you can do in football. And it was for a double, a first ever double, or dube, I should say. So, you know, it, it doesn't really get any better than that. I think for as long as we all live, everybody who was there will be, it was an I was there, like, moment, wasn't it? It'll, it'll never be forgotten. It'll it'll live long in the, the memory that will, and, you know, so it should. I mean, it's you see some of the videos that have been online today. Like, I think the club have done the, like, the fan cam of the away end for all the goals, and you're looking at it, just to myself, this is why football is the greatest game. There is nothing that can ever touch football. Um, it's very special in the same way that there's nothing worse than it at times. And obviously, for our pals up the road, they're, they're feeling the pain right now. And uh, let's be honest, that just adds to the joy, doesn't it? It's the icing on the cake. There was a fantastic quote from um, Russell Martin after the game that said about the... Uh, uh, the, the way the players played and stuff, and they said they'll always have this. Doesn't matter if they keep playing together for for years to come, or whether they 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 go their separate ways and end up as opposition players. Um, but if they, you know, when they get back together, when they talk, and if they have a reunion meal in twenty years' time, this will always be there with them. And and it was it was a really special moment because it just shows that Swansea City get it. And I think that's the biggest thing, isn't it? Cardiff are just in last 10 years I don't think they get it I don't think they've got it since since before Dave Jones was manager that long ago it's it's incredible that their fans allow their club to just dismiss this fixture every time it comes round it, it it would infuriate me and I love it and and you, we saw before this game as well Steve Morrison said I can't remember the exact quote but he basically said you know we're treating this just like any other game yeah. and he was saying things like whatever happens the remit's been met for this season because we're staying up etc and then when you after after you said something like that and then you go and lose 4-0 in that match those kind of quotes are just poisonous as far as a fan base goes because that's that's that just implies that he did not get it at all. He Would didn't you? understand it. And if this was a one-off for Cardiff, then, then you mm. know, fine. But we've seen time after time, managers, whatever they've said, sometimes sometimes they play it down in the press, uh, which irritates their fans. Sometimes they try to play it up, but they still end up sinking um, and falling flat on their faces. It's this repeated sense for Cardiff fans that their players do not get the importance of this game and do not treat it the same way as our players do. And the one thing that you can say about our players is that they always give it their best. Yeah, I said it before, even when we lost to Cardiff, 
um, during the um, du- during the pandemic and there were no fans to see it. I still didn't feel as though the Swans kind of didn't turn up. I felt as if we tried our best. It just didn't go our way that day. Yeah. You know, I, I, I felt there was enough effort there, even if the quality wasn't there. And that's not something you can say about Cardiff in, in the vast majority of derbies. I mean, they, 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 what I think, well, I'll put the question out to you though, boys. After so many games now where the Swans um, have outclassed Cardiff, because, okay, we may not have won 4-0 um, before, but we've won 3-0. And, and there have been games where we've won 1-0 and 2-0. And it's been so emphatic, it probably should have been 4 or 5-0. Um, I don't actually think that was the most one-sided performance we've had against them. No. Um, but we've had, we've had far more one-sided performances against them before this, which have only ended up in 1-0s, 2-0s, 3 nils. The 1-0 we had was ridiculously oh, emphatic. And the Cooper. That yeah, that, yeah, that should have been yeah. 6. That yeah, that, been yeah, that's, that's the one that we should have won, really, we, we comfortably. Were, we were just not passing when we were one-on-one, were we? We were <laughs> just so many chances. <laughs> but yeah, it was, that, but that was that was a schooling that that was just a, a masterclass and us outclassing them and teaching them a footballing lesson and that's t- happened time and time again. So at what point do we just accept that actually Swansea at their best are just on a totally different level to Cardiff and this has been proven time and time again and and there is a, just a, a gap in quality there which I don't think their fans can quite accept. But where do we? I mean, you'd have to rip up the whole thing here if you're going to go into it. And obviously, we don't want to spend we want to spend a long time on this podcast talking about Swans as well. But let's look at it at Cardiff just briefly. Um, what I found more disgusting than the cockiness and the arrogance before the game with Steve Morrison was the fact that he doubled down in his post-match presser and said, at the end of the day, I'm not going to be judged on today. I, my remit was to keep us up. Their fans were spitting feathers. They could not believe that after that drubbing, he still had the goal to come out and say, eh, I said it was just another game. So it kind of was. And I'm just like, I cannot, I my head explodes thinking about it. If a Swansea manager ever did that, I would just lose any confidence I had in them. I would just think they obviously don't get it. They don't get what it's like to be at this club. Um, so that, from that point of view, and when we look at you talk about Cardiff and whether they um, will ever match us, their expectations are completely different. They they always try to go for short term success rather than building something. Steve Morrison, for me, is another example of that. He was someone who was drafted in, who was forever more going to be an interim manager, and he's come in. And he's coming from the youth setup, and he's he's been given a, a, a contract a contract now recently, um, and I expect just like with Mick McCarthy, just like with uh, Neil Harris, they will fall off the side of the earth like they do. They have no um, blueprint there. They have nothing for long term success. Cardiff fans don't know what it is so they want because they are infuriated yesterday that their players didn't give the effort. But there was no acknowledgement that they just don't have the quality. You can, I think, effort is is bare minimum. You expect effort even if you don't have the quality. But there is no expectation of quality there. They were just wanting their players to go in hard, to go and meet us and and and, and tackle us and put a few bruises on us. But from the off, get or from the off, we were at it. And it's not often we've been able to say that, particularly on the road this season. We could have been 1-0 up within about 20 seconds or 30 seconds. We probably should have been 1-0 up within about 30 seconds, in truth. 
Um, fantastic ball by Perot and Obafemi should have should have tucked it away. Um, but that was a game that was had everything. We wanted it more, but we had the aggression, we had the style, we had the audacity to go in their backyard, play them off the park, and want every ball more than them. And if you want to go to Cardiff and say, how do they have a day like we've had yesterday? I I I think it'll take five or six years minimum just to get on the same level, even you know even to talking about that because they'd have to rip it all up and start building something. And that club is determined to focus on short term gains rather than long term projects. And we've said this for years on this podcast, and it's it's an absolute joy to keep repeating it because they just will never learn. I mean, let let's well you've brought us on to the game itself. So let's discuss this. Steve, uh, Matt said there we could have been ahead within 30 seconds, really. Joe Piru's ball over the top for Bafemi, just a tiny bit too far for him to get on the end of. But that kind of set the tone for the for the rest of the game because, um, I mean, what was it, five or six minutes on the clock? We scored the kind of goal that you want to see a Russell Martin team score because I, I didn't I didn't fully appreciate it at the time. I thought from the stands, we were obviously at the other end of the pitch. I thought it looked like a well-worked goal. When you watch it back, it is a piece of artistry, the way the Swans worked that ball into Obafemi for that um for that tapping. And it just just started the game off absolutely perfectly for us and allowed us to control it, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I mean, as you say, it was a lovely like team goal, wasn't it? I've got to say, a lot of the goals that we scored were were really good goals. And as Matt said earlier, really, I mean, it's probably the best we played all season, isn't it? And um, you know, Pavers and that man again, just when he plays, he just gives us that that cutting edge, really, doesn't he? And it with the the ball across the box, and you know, Oberfemi couldn't really miss from there, could he? And uh, like I say, it set the tone, really, didn't it? And uh, yeah, it was a little bit wild in the away end when that went in, and yeah. You know, you can never foresee at that point how the game is going to turn out. You're sometimes thinking, oh, we scored a bit earlier. We're not going to try and hang on too much. But, I mean, we were comfortable, weren't we, especially in the first half. I just felt that on occasions where they did try and press us, we just always seemed to be that one step ahead where someone might do a little um, clip or someone would show for the ball and take, um, the ball would get played and then they'll take somebody out of the game. I just really felt we were a class above in there. In that sense, really, we just didn't really maybe create the amount of good chances that maybe we would have liked. But Perot had a decent shot, didn't he? There wasn't a great chance, but it was a, a curler that could have gone in the top corner. But um felt really comfortable, I've got to say, because I, I saw you at half-time, didn't I? And I said the same thing. But I think both of us were a bit like, well, you, you don't want to get carried away because you're thinking, well, surely they'll do something in the second half. But, uh yeah, it, uh, it got better from there, really, didn't it? Well, that's the thing. And I, I told you... A- Halftime was like, oh, are we sticking or are we twisting? I wasn't really clear. Actually, looking back, it was absolutely brilliant because we we just we just kept it very very safe and steady until halftime. Control possession, dealt with everything Cardiff had, and then I don't know, Matt. It was as if at some point in the second half we just decided, okay, these aren't very good. Let's go for it, and we just didn't hold back from that point on. No, it was it was absolutely. It was just perfect, wasn't it? It was the way we had controlled aggression. It was the way we were uh, dominating the game. 
in in every aspect. I don't think there was a player on that pitch that was outperformed by his opposite number. Well, I know there wasn't a player on the pitch outperformed by his opposite one number. Um, you know, even the the most trouble inside for them was uh, down the right against Wolf. I say over the ninety minutes, Wolf had the better of it. Of course, he ended up on the score sheet as well. And I really like Hannah's Wolf. I know I've said this before, but um, I'm chuffed that he got a goal. Um, but it, the, the whole performance, every man on the pitch was just an absolute monster. Um, I've seen some, I've just spent a lot of the day just looking uh, on, on Twitter, on forums and whatnot and seeing the reaction from both camps um, and, the, and the disbelief and anger from the Cardiff. It, it's just that their players just just couldn't be asked to come and even meet a, a loose ball. They were just standing off and waiting. Um, and so when we did get the second goal, it was utter delirium. It was, it's a, such a, a special moment when you have um, that brief moment in football of anticipation. So when Patterson clipped that clever corner onto the edge of the box, it was maybe half a yard behind Grimes, but he, he got it in out of his feet and fired a shot, which was uh, blocked into the path of Cabango. I would pay an, an, an unmentionable amount of money for someone to give me that second where you can just hear the audible gasp and then the silence in the away end, just as you see Cabango put it out of his feet, shape to shoot, and you're just thinking... And that second could have lasted a week. I, you know, it was just that moment is football for me. That 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 moment is how you say, name me another another sport that has the moment of just that that split second that you can't describe to someone who doesn't get it. Uh, and 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 that when Cabango fired it into bottom corner, the release the release in the away end was, ah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm struggling to find the words to explain. It was utter fucking bonkers. It was mental. And just, I, it was because at that point, then you're always worried at one. You're always thinking at one, it takes a deflected shot, it takes a terrible refereeing decision. But with the way we were playing, even, even though you dare say, you dare not say it, but to get a second goal felt like they haven't, they haven't laid a scratch on us and we've got a two goal lead here. So, this feels big, and it was turned out to be absolutely huge. Um, oh, wow, I, I, it was that might have been the moment for me. Cabango goal might have been the moment in the game which you just would love to relive over and over and over again. Do you know what? That was that was my favourite goal of the day. I, I just, I, th- I saw a couple of people beforehand discussing. You know, who would you want most to score a goal against Cardiff? And there were a lot of people saying Cabango, and. I, I didn't think it was Cabango at first because you don't expect Cabango to hit the ball that sweetly. I thought it was Christie. I, I thought it was Christie. Because he was in that position on the right side, yeah. because he struck it so sweetly with his right foot. Um, and, and I was standing at a position where you could see pretty much from the second he left his boot that it was going in the bottom corner. There was just no doubt about it. It was a goal from the second he, he, he left his foot. And I don't expect to speak in those terms about Benga Bango. It's like, I mean, we know he's a danger from set pieces. And I've, I've said it all season. Um, his feet are much better than people give him credit for. Uh, and he's been in great form recently. But still, you don't expect him to do that. And then, Steve, 
the fact as well that a Cardiff-born kid like Ben Cavango went as absolutely mental as he did in those celebrations. Just again, it's 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 nectar. It's what you live for in this kind of fixture, and he absolutely loved that goal, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I mean, at that point, I was it was in my head thinking. Uh... I'm going to tweet a certain person and uh, saying, how is this for a headline? Cardiff-born player seals historic double for Swansea. But uh, obviously it did end up getting a little bit better than that, didn't it? But I mean, as you say, I mean, the, what you want more than anything is the, the icing on the cake of just the, the, being able to impact the, the most pain you, you can. And obviously from a Cardiff point of view, he's a Cardiff boy. They maybe feel like he should be their player or he's one who's maybe slipped through the net. So then when he's... They paid a price for the fact that he's come to us. It's, uh, you know, it's a great story. And well, to be fair, I mean, he'll probably never score a better goal than that, will he? And, he'll, and he's done it on an occasion, but such as that. And I think it was just the moment, wasn't it, of thinking, God, we really are, you know, looking a sure bet for the W. I wasn't getting carried away quite. I was. I think I won there. I was thinking, well, we're definitely not going to lose. At least was my my overriding thing. I wasn't thinking too much about. Uh, you know, us, us winning necessarily at that point. It was just such a long time ago. When that second went in, I was just thinking, well, if we if we don't win from here now, it's going to be crushing because like you feel like you'd never get a better chance to uh, to do the double. But uh, obviously, it uh, it got even better, didn't it? And like you know, it's I mean, at two 0 I'll be honest. I was thinking at least I, at the very least we're not losing this, but you just couldn't see them coming back. But then. You know, you part of me thought, Do you know what, it would be good to, you know, really hammer this home. And then two quick fire goals. Matt, you talked about Hannes Wolf. Um, I, I like Hannes Wolf as well. Works his socks off, deserve that goal. Really good header. And then, you know, that makes it 3 0. But there's something about four. I mean, 3 0 is, is, is comprehensive. I mean, you know that you have been badly beaten when you've lost 3 0. When you lose 4-0, that takes it into another realm. Then suddenly it's a thrashing, as we know all too well, because we have lost by that kind of margin um, several times this season. Um, you know, that that's embarrassing. That's, uh, you're outclassed, you're thrashed, you're hammered. And I think when you look, the Swans have put up a video on YouTube, a uh, fan cam of all the celebrations, and it's it's beautiful. It's, it's, a, it's a masterpiece. Um but there's a difference. There's a clear difference between the celebrations for the third goal and the celebrations for the fourth, because the third goal actually have like the. I think people were a bit tired by that stage. Possibly they over celebrated, and it's not quite as wild as the other three. And then comes the fourth, and people, it's it's as bonkers as any of the other celebrations. People jumping all over the place, limbs as the kids call it, just absolute madness in the away end because. To beat your rivals 4-0. Oh, what a moment that was. And you know what? I think it was because it came so soon after the third. So those celebrations are still going on. You're thinking 3-0 away at Cardiff. Pinch me. Pinch me. And then the ball again works its way lovely. I think it was, was it Wolf down the left-hand side who give it inside? Um, and it made its way across then for Grimes. Was I it Grimes? Uh, Grimes, I think... Um, or was it? No, it was it was Wolf who gave it to Oberfemi, wasn't it? 
I can't remember. It was just such think, a blur. I don't, th- I don't think we're in a place to really analyse the I've football. I've seen it. <laughs> the worst thing is about this, I apologise, because I've seen it about 35 times in the last three hours, so I've got no excuse here. But um, it's just the way that, again, at that moment where you see him and he's got the ball and he's just inside the box and you're thinking, hang on, <laughs> we're still bouncing around from 3-0. And you just see him open up his body and you, you want to hit the sweetest shot, will he? Uh, Smithy's watching it going into the top corner. Um, so you're already bouncing and then he puts that in top bins and you're thinking, oh my God, oh my God, what is happening? I think that was the collective thought at this point. What is happening here? You know, we've obviously spent weeks talking about this, the fact that the whole season just had this to look forward to now. We didn't really have anything else to play for with the league positions. Um, and it's been a long wait, but we thought about every permutation that could have happened today, yet we never stumbled across this one. And we were just, well, everyone was just looking at each other and pure joy, just, just pure joy. I don't think... People who don't understand football or don't like football, I mean, you, you get emotional. Two sets of fans left the stadium quite emotional yesterday, and for their very different reasons. One, um, one left much earlier than the other. <laughs> absolutely. The other, that experience of, of the fourth going in. Um, and and Obafemi is a very exuberant player anyway, as his first the celebrations showed, um, you know, with the swim away. But, uh, which, you know, it was brilliant. Um, having that player grab it and he absolutely adores the the uh, rapport he has with the Swans fans. It's just it's just so great. You know he feeds off it and he lives for it. And he's always that sort of player that plays with that, that buzz, that energy, that they kind of like he just wants to chomp at the bit all the time. Um so to get him to, to to grab his second of the game and uh, it was it was just so special. I I like I say earlier I don't know how we'll top that. That was just incredible. The the, the best the best ever. And um, I mean Steve, the the fans when the third went in, you could see the that's when the cheerio started. That's when the the floodgates opened. That's where that's when you know the fire drills went off in the Cardiff City Stadium and the fans made their way to the exit. But when the fourth went in, you know, if that just went to another level and suddenly the stadium was pretty much empty. My question to you is, how on earth did any Cardiff City fans manage to stay until the full-time whistle? Because I can promise you, if I was in their shoes, I'd have I'd have got up and left as soon as that third hit the back of the net. And I never ever leave early from a game absolutely never but I, I there's no way I could have stayed till full time watching that oh, I'd be the same at 3-0 I mean that would have been the point where you go right this is now turned from a bad day to a very bad day um, <clears throat> it can't there's no way it can turn around no matter what happens I've, I've got to go so I would have probably gone and then screamed the boost on the way out and um, you know it's I can't understand how people stayed in I did see there were even one or two of them clapping them off. And I'm thinking to myself, you've been humiliated by your arch rivals here. I would not be doing any clapping. Certainly, and just think maybe some people just aren't as bothered as maybe uh, some of the rest of us are. But, you know, it is, look, I, I don't get it. And then there was one or two who stayed to give a boost to us. And you're thinking, like, you can't really win this argument, can you? You've been done. So I don't really know what you're trying to achieve. You're better off just accepting you've been done and... 
and walking out, as you say, is what that's what I would have done, and that's what you would have done, and, and what countless others would do in the same situation. So, like, you know, uh, it's up to them. The fact is, they were only adding to our joy by staying there in the same way as when the buses left. There were a load of their fans on the side of the road, and they were giving the poops back. And you're thinking again, well, you're just making this easy for us. We're all just holding up four fingers at them, you know, and there is no comeback from that, is there? So, yeah. Um, why you would do it, I don't know. But uh, to the ones that did, thank you very much. It was just uh, putting the cherry on the icing on the cake, wasn't it? It's it's so beautiful seeing people, fans go from kind of giving it, giving the big one before kickoff, um, you know, jumping up and down in the Stone Island, you know, call, call, trying to call you out, etc. And then as the game goes on, they just get quieter and quieter and quieter, and then leave with about a quarter of an hour left to play. It's um, Ah, oh, being a football fan is amazing, isn't it? Um, I just, I mean, the the performance was, as a team performance, outstanding. And there isn't a single player who let us down, Matt. But I want to give special credit to one player I'm who say, do, yeah. doesn't get much credit at all. Mm. Um, we didn't even discuss him in our pre-match podcast no. with Stuart James, even though Stuart James asked us who he thought was going to be playing left side of uh, left-sided centre-back in this match. Oh. His name crossed my mind, but I never thought that he would actually play. Um, but what a performance from Joel Atabodier, considering he's played barely any minutes at centre-back this season. But he absolutely never lets us down in that position. I always felt under Cooper that when he played there, he had a good game. And he came in in one of the biggest games of the season. And I thought he absolutely relished it in every single sense, defensively, um, with a ball at his feet, his judgment, absolutely everything, spot on. And for a player to come in pretty much from the cold and do that, I thought was phenomenal from him. It was weird because at halftime, I remember saying, actually having noticed, and it, it's not often, you can, you can probably say, oh yeah, so-and-so's done well, haven't it? But having noticed enough to comment on the fact that I thought, Latabodia has been absolutely outstanding that first half. Like, I mean, let's take it as a brave call from Russell Martin because when he's been faced this situation previously, he's put Flynn Downs into that gap in between the defenders. Um, but it was brave for him to try and make sure that Downs went to his preferred centre midfield role where he could dominate proceedings alongside Grimes. And we benefited from it after six minutes. Was Downs was integral in the creation of that opening goal and the tempo and the presence and everything that we had in that game came through our utter dominance in the middle and the way we were able to just control the game. So to do that and entrust Latibaudier in defence was a big call. And as you rightly say, we were dismissive of the idea to the point where we ignored the idea we on last we podcast. Didn't, we didn't dismiss it. We didn't consider it. <laughs> it it didn't come out of our mouths, which is which is not great from us, if I'm honest. But at the same time, it did really kind of say how Martin was showing a trend of how he was dealing with that situation since Manning has been out and how he was doing it. So we didn't think he was going to give Latibode yeah, the nod. So the fact that he did... And he had the the confidence in him to to hold up, uh, you know, the, the Jordan Hugels and whatnot of of the Cardiff side, um, was a great statement. And Latibodia paid him back in spades because I just thought, I, like I say, at halftime I came off the pitch and I thought, wow, I came off the out of the stand, sorry, and I thought, well, that was he was an an absolutely brilliant first half, and I found it weird that I noticed it 
So, I mean, it was actually noticeable how much um, confidence he exhumed out of his exhumed out of his performance, and I like I just I'm astounded because I didn't see it happening at all. I didn't see him featuring. So, um, credit to him, and and yeah, like you say, more more performances like that, and um, you know he'll he'll be finding himself in the team far more often than he's out of it. Yeah, because I I actually I said before the season started that. I felt he was um, very suited to the kind of football that that Russell Martin wanted to play because I've always thought he's a very good footballer. He's just very short, I think, for a for a centre back, and that's probably the one thing that that's going against him really uh, playing that position. Um, but but hopefully, I'd love to see him get more minutes, uh, not just because of what we saw on Saturday, but I, I've I've always thought really that he never lets us down when he plays at centre back. It's just that. It felt all season as though, um, uh, well, at, at least since the opening day, as though uh, Martin hasn't really had him in in his plans for that position, and he's played out wide more often than not. Um, Steve, are there any other individuals that you think really deserve special mentions um, from Saturday's game? Well, I mean, everybody does deserve credit, don't they? I mean, I thought Downs was was brilliant. If I'm going to mention anybody, he just had a a really good game and what we said really about him playing in midfield I think was you know has been proven right really he was influential and obviously I suppose Oberfemi did get two goals didn't he so he's obviously going to to steal some of the headlines too I mean it was it was great to see Wolf get a goal I mean Grimes did really well I think Perot was a little bit quiet at times but let's be really pleased about something here we felt over reliance on Perot mm. and Patterson scored four goals and neither of them scored so that's another really big positive, really, isn't it? So, look, it's just one of them days where everything has gone perfectly, isn't it? We just, yeah, what, what, what can you say other than uh, if you could just bottle this moment and stay in it forever? I think we all would. And, uh, you know, when we all go back to work tomorrow morning, uh, you know, the come down will start, I suppose. It's an impossible ask, um, Steve, and, and, and you too, Gitto. But looking at that team and looking at that performance yesterday, um, there's six or seven players that are huge if if we're to make our mark next year. The front three, uh, it will be one of, if not the best front threes in the division next year. I don't care who comes down. Uh, it, you know, Perot, Patson and Oberfemi, if we can keep them three, there's, there's, there's creativity and goals in Patterson. There's a man who doesn't know how to miss the target from the outside the box in Perot. And there's... Oberfemi, who is a sharpshooter in the box. It's the perfect mix of what everything you need to succeed at the top end of the pitch. We, the problem we've had at times this season is not, well, obviously the first half of the season is not having the two strikers up. It's, and then obviously with the Patterson situation in January played out, it wasn't great not having him in the, in the squad. Um, we just haven't had it enough. And now we're seeing the fruit of those labours of getting them on the pitch. Um, and the goals, I think it's 8-11 now for Obafemi. It's it's Great. incredible turnaround for him, who only six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, we were trying to loan him out. You know, it is a turnaround like that. I I can't remember the last time I've seen it. It's such a quick turnaround. It's He's gone from, let's get him out of the club because his attitude stinks, to... Can we build a statue of him outside the Liberty Stadium? And it's barely three months have passed. I think we've seen it before, though, with with you know backup strikers that sometimes you know they, they don't get minutes on the pitch. It's 
it's very difficult to be a backup striker. It really is a tough ask because you're coming on usually when the team's chasing a goal. Um, you know, you've not got that many minutes. You may only get one chance or even zero chances after coming on. Your chances to make an impression are limited. And he was unlucky that Piro was so good earlier on in the season. I don't think there's ever been any doubt about his kind of the ability. And in fairness, I, I always felt that when he did come on, he, he tried his best. And uh, for the most part, he was doing all the right things. It just wasn't going in. But how many times do you see it? a player just gets one goal and suddenly it's, you know, it starts working for him. And and that's what's happened with Obafemi. And now he's just, you know, looking like the striker we, we were hoping to have when we bought him. Um, it's it's brilliant to see. I, I'm going to shift the conversation on now to the atmosphere because um, I guess, I don't know, Steve, I think your voice is suffering a bit more than Matt um, today. So I, I guess you're the best person to ask. Um, three o'clock kickoff. Very, very different. Not something we're used to. Um, do you think it had any kind of impact on the atmosphere inside the stadium? Yeah, I, th- I think it probably did to an extent. I mean, when it went last time, obviously it was an early Sunday. I think we left about eight in the morning. The bus was quite quiet on the way up. We had a lively bus yesterday because we were going a little bit later. I think a lot of people had maybe been to the pub before. You know, me and Matt were in the maybe. railway. <laughs> well, not breathing. Well. Well, there's a not, lot of people who were drinking before that. Yeah, um, yeah, I would say that maybe on an early kickoff, they're, they're not. Oh people, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. People aren't going to the railway at six o'clock necessarily. Some are, but not. It's a lot less, isn't it? So yeah, you know, there would have been some people not drinking, but I mean, our bus was a bit like what the Titanic looked like when it sunk because there was not a single woman or child on it. So, <laughs> which is a bit ridiculous, really, isn't it? But um. Yeah, um, it was a lively bus, and you could just sense everybody was, you know, up for it. There were, well, once they're in the ground, everybody is up for it, you know, they always are, but, you know, more drinking time didn't do any harm. And, you know, I think there's no reason why this game, in theory, if it's not big for TV, can't kick off at three o'clock on a Saturday. So, you know, that was good. And, you know, let's be honest as well, a Saturday does make a difference. Even if they put it off 12 on a Saturday, it's just better than a Sunday 12, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, it did. I think it did have an impact. But obviously, let's be honest, if you're going to end up winning the way that we did and scoring early and all this type of thing, it's always going to be bouncing, isn't it? So, yeah, you know, it was. And there were, there were a lot of newer songs, you know, about have you ever done the double over the swans and <laughs> stuff like that. There was a lot of, you know, a boost going in their direction, wasn't there? And again, that's that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's about inflicting pain and as much as it is our joy. So, yeah, I mean, it was it probably was one of the the great away atmospheres. There wasn't really much of a lull, and it was a, a constant, you know, thing of, of songs. It felt like it didn't go quite much. Put it this way: if the guy who does the Come On City was there, there wasn't really a chance for him doing the game to uh, to do it. <laughs> no, absolutely, and it's um, the the only shame is, of course, that the fact that the fact there was the three pm kickoff meant um, the rest of the world couldn't uh, join in our fun, but. Um, I mean, Matt, how can, how can we go back to kind of the half past 12 kickoffs um, after that? I mean, in fairness, I've never felt going to the Liberty like the atmosphere at a derby is lacking no matter what time of day it is. Um, I would say, I mean, the Cardiff City Stadium, I, I just find when you compare the noise that was made there for the Wales games, for example, against Austria to what happened on Saturday. I don't know. I mean, the, the Cardiff City fans, they, they, you know, they made a bit of noise. They, you know, they, 
there, there was a little bit of singing, but it's not. I don't know. They never. I, I never feel. They were carries, like, man. I don't know if you think that from Cardiff, like at the Wales games, it does just seem to. You know, obviously, there must be more people singing it, but it couldn't, you could see them like clapping and, and a little bit of chanting before the game, but it, it doesn't really reach us. I don't think. No, it doesn't echo around and reverberate around the stadium in the same way. It, like clearly, the Canton stand is singing, and obviously there was, you know, there, 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 there were fans obviously joining in in the Ninian and the family stand. I'm not saying that it was a library or anything like that. But it doesn't feel like a derby atmosphere. Like if it felt like a lot of clubs' normal everyday atmosphere, rather than a really massive event. When you go to the Liberty, you know there's something different about that game. It doesn't feel like a normal game. The fans just take it to an extra level where they, which they don't reach in any other game of the season. And I've never really felt that when you go to Cardiff. It's it's not quite got the the volume, and it's not quite got the the intimidation factor. Do you, do you ever wonder though, that the way in maybe is in the wrong place? Well, I was about to say Yeah, that. like, if you know what I mean, like, obviously, at the Liberty, next to them, yeah, we? we are next to them. Yeah. Whereas, like, up there, obviously, they're hardcore behind the goal, and we're yeah, in the corner, you know, at the other end, aren't we? So... To, to my left, I had the family stand, you know, yeah, and... Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's we, not... We, we, we didn't even look, we didn't even look at them, quite frankly, for most yeah, of the game. you shouldn't really be put in the family stand... There, should but I think the other thing they, they did yesterday, which probably didn't help from a Cardiff point of view, is obviously there was a lot of like segregated seats from there. I'm sure when we've been there before, they haven't done it like that. And you have been, you know, the fans have been a lot closer. And I think we definitely had a smaller allocation as well. So I'm sure we've had more than that in the past. So, yeah, I think that would, you know, that, that probably would have added to it maybe a little bit. But um, look, I think if we're being honest as well, I really don't think their fans are that great. I mean, when they've come to us, they've usually been. Average at best, like I'd say that's a compliment, really. Yeah. They, they're not particularly loud fans. They're not as good as us. I think that's the truth. Yeah. Um. You know, obviously, I, I, maybe we are biased, but I really don't think they're anywhere near as good as us. I, I we we reach levels because let's face it, our support isn't like that most games. Um. You know, that derby, but when the derby comes around, we reach a level that they don't. Um, as fans, I think I think it's fair to say that. I think even a lot of Cardiff fans would would agree with that. I just don't think the the noise. I, I don't think the noise of the Cardiff City Stadium compares with the noise at the Liberty. And what away fans bring to this fixture, I think Swansea fans have consistently just brought a different level of everything. Really, noise, craziness, um, <laughs> just you know, good and bad, I guess. But it's. Yeah, it, I think I, I'm always left underwhelmed by their atmosphere and having been to, and, I, and it's not just, you know, this comparison with Wales games, it's not just, you know, I, I usually, I always stand in the Canton stand, which is the noisiest bit of um, uh, of the stadium for Wales games, which, you know, could be a bit mis- misleading, I guess, but you watch videos of Wales games um, from other ends of the stadium and you can hear and feel the noise in a way that you don't for Cardiff games, even when it's full. I don't know if it's partly because the derby brings so many kind of day trippers for them and such a large proportion of their stadium is made up of fans who very rarely go to watch them usually. Whereas, you know, with the Swans, our stadium is always 75% full, whereas theirs is usually 50% full. So I don't know if that yeah. plays a part in it at all. So, so the other thing with Wales games though is, right? Do you wonder if a lot of the people in the canton are not Cardiff fans and it's them people that are obviously massively contributing to the noise because I'm usually in there as well. So What I will say as well 
is on a on a issue of the stadium situation with them is uh, I do get a fair bit of enjoyment at the Swans games when we we are at the back of the um the back of the East Stand. We're quite close to the away fans. I get quite a lot of enjoyment of the banter with the with the yeah. away fans, and I can't imagine being in a lounge section. Obviously, international football is very different. You were talking about Wales earlier on. There's never any banter with yeah, foreign they fans. Can't understand you. <laughs> exactly. You don't have banter with the international football fans because it's a different language, of course. Um, you know, Wales, England aside, or, or you know, one of the, the British teams, but obviously. Um, might find that out in the summer, of course. Uh, with Scotland, oh, winter. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and winter. Um, but but in club football, it is a lot of it is based on rivalry, atmosphere, banter, all that kind of um, pent up aggression and release and stuff, and trying to wind each other up. You see videos on Twitter and Facebook all the time of fans going at each other and people filming each other going barmy and 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 limbs and everything associated with it and stuff. Yet. In their stand, in their stadium, it's the complete opposite end. So how do you have that relationship where you go, right, even if they've got like Bristol City and you're like, right, you've got a Canton end, Canton stand here and you've got the Bristol City fans in the opposite end next to the family stand. I mean, how is that conducive to creating a good atmosphere? Look, I agree with what both you're saying. Their support is shit. The crap, this famous atmosphere they talk about is non-existent. But I mean, they don't help themselves. I think if they chucked uh, the, the away end, the opposite end, right next to the Canton stand, it would be for more carnage. But they just put them on the other end of the stadium. We were out of sight. We were, we were having a party on our own, and it was they were useless. Yeah, yeah I think they're, they're never going to move the... It would have to be the home end that they would move. They'd have to swap the family end and the other one, because I think with the away end being there, I think it's just easier, especially when they play in someone like us and they to put the buses there the away in the corner. Yeah. I think it'd be far more exposed than another part of the ground. So they could swap it, but they're not going to do it. Really. But it's, which is fine because I think if we were to then go there and lose, it would be terrible if we're next to their hardcore. So that's the way you'd, uh, you sort of have to look at it then. But look, it's up to them. I don't think it works in a great way. I think it's much better our setup, but uh, yeah. you know, Anything that doesn't help them is something I'm in favour of. It's a, it's our setup. In fairness, is quite rare. I think to have your noisiest fans right next to the away fans. I I don't you I don't. Think a lot of fans are behind the goal, aren't they? As you say, we yeah. we carried that on like for like from yeah. the vet. Yeah. If you picture what the vet was like, it's exactly the same. But again, you couldn't. We don't really have the options though, because if the club decide the away end is behind the goal, which they did. And then they decide that the family stand is behind the goal, which they did. They'd have to go on the side, didn't it? But I don't yeah. mean it's, 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 exactly, it's a rare yeah. one because you look at you've got something like Anfield there, and they've got the cop of the um, think well, United obviously the Stratford end traditionally. I like get a lot of them are behind oh, the goal, yeah. are they? Um, so we are probably a rare one, but like I say, if the away end is behind the goal, then the other uh, behind the other goal is for the family stand. Well, obviously, then the the hardcore where the noise comes from was going to have to be on the side of the pit somewhere, isn't it? And like I said, we sort of stuck with the the tradition of the vets, really, didn't we? But you know, that's uh, I would say that's definitely a good thing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. I mean, this is going to be just to finish off the derby um, chat. This is such a stupid question, but Matt, where does that rank among all the derbies, perhaps all time or just of of your time supporting the club? But where does where does that rank for you? Well, I'd, I'd be I'd be contradicting myself if I changed my answer. I think it's probably 
the best ever Swans game I've ever been to, and possibly ever will. I mean, <laughs> it will be better than Wembley, difficult. better than Valencia, better, better, better than-, than Valencia. Uh, better than Valencia. Now, I you could not have heard me utter those words before. Yes, before today, it would it would have been impossible to do. You would have thought Valencia had peaked, but uh, yesterday, yesterday was the pinnacle. Valencia is a, is a, a fairly close second, but yesterday tops it for me. I, I I really I really am worried about the idea of like when they say right if you, if you had everything you wanted in life and you had no need to want anything anymore, you'd get bored and. And, and and disappointed very quickly, and I'm worried about where we're going. Because <laughs> what can we what can we go and do now to further rub it in, to further prove that we are the best, the only relevant team to talk about in South in, in South Wales. Um, it's just it, it is really just crazy what we've achieved. Um, and when outsiders look at it and they say. You know, it's 16th versus 17th or whatever it was. Um, oh, spare a thought, by the way, for the Sky Sports scheduler who received his P45 this morning uh, <laughs> after that. Because, I mean, you know, the first one that hasn't been televised and they've missed the historic event, they've missed the trouncer, they've missed something that they know the country would have loved to have um, to seen and to, to, to revel in. Um, is let's face it, every single person, everyone hates to Cardiff. See Cardiff lose four. They fucking hate Cardiff. So to see that, I think they realised they dropped a massive clanger there, and someone's had a at best, he's had a slap across the wrists. But I mean, where we go from here is a struggle. Uh, it's a no-brainer for me. That was that was the best game. That was the best game I've ever been to. Steve. Um... I'm not going to ask you, well, you can say if you like, if that was the best game you've ever been to, but where does this kind of, what does this result and everything else say about where both clubs are at the moment, in your opinion? Because there there still isn't much between us in the league. You know, we've opened up a bit of a gap now with that with that win, but what what does it say about both clubs, their relationship with each other and where both teams are going, in your opinion? I think the, the main thing it does really is it, it buys Russell Martin more time, doesn't it? Because there have been a few frustrations in there. Some of the performances we've been a little bit critical and now where there's a lot of brownie points in the bank, isn't there, over this one? So, you know. You know uh, I said, didn't I, when I left the stadium yesterday, I said, that's it now. And I, I, I cannot say a bad word about this yeah. man. The, 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 the clock gets reset in August and we go again. But from now until the end of the season, he's got an absolute free pass from me, which some listeners of the podcast will be pleased about because I have been critical at times. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't I can't possibly possibly question the man now. Uh, for this season, he's got an absolute pass now, and uh, I, I I I really don't care anymore. Yeah, it's uh, I think yeah that that's the main thing. If it if it will just buy him some time and. You know, I think there's been some signs that we're on the right track and then there's been others that we're, you know, we're not progressing as we wanted to. But, I mean, a, a day like that is, as, as we've already said, it is going to li- live forever, isn't it? Um, you know, it's, it is going to be tough to beat, really. So Your best ever? Uh, yeah, I think, I think the thing with Valencia is obviously it wasn't just the game, was it? It was the overall... No. And like, it did feel... In Benidorm, then the next day, we, were, we did have an all day, didn't we? So then you're thinking, you sort of sell it, it goes on, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Whereas like this one hasn't really gone on as much. I think that's the difference. Whereas 
I think obviously it was a pinch you, you dream of moment in Valencia, but like yesterday was, but it's just not as intense. Like you don't feel the thing in Valencia of wanting to rub it in necessarily, do you? I mean, you're thinking more just wow, this is like a seismic moment in terms of like people will hear the Swansea name and go, oh, the Swansea, what have they done? And all but if I give you, if I give you from 12 p.m. until 5 p.m. that five-hour window around the Valencia game and the game. Because I know what happened on the way to the Valencia game, by the way, because I was on the bus with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was good. The bus broke down, if you're wondering. The bus broke down, and we we were worried we weren't going to actually make the game. Yes, yeah, so we were the last bus to arrive in Valencia, so we missed some of the pre-drinking. Well, the bus didn't break. The, uh, this is going off on a tangent. The door fucking wouldn't close. Uh, but yeah, the, the that final window from yesterday was 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 special. On that. Oh, it was, but at the same time, it was you know. Well, you were doing a lot of moaning on the bus because of how long it took to get in and oh, all that God. type of stuff. So it is. So those things are a pain. I mean, you get it, didn't get in until two. And then the thing is with it, as we all know, there's like this nervous anticipation, isn't there, before? And I think it, that does make it, is it. You're sort of excited, but you are, like I said, there's those nerves in it. That that does make it tough to enjoy at moments. But obviously, it's more the thing of, isn't it? I'm not saying the goals you don't enjoy somewhere like Valencia, but obviously the best goal celebrations are in the derby games. that We had four of them. So, you know, we really are spoilt then. And yeah, it's, you know, it's, it, in terms of the actual game and the experience, yeah, it is the best. And it? it's, it's got to be. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, we've had some very special ones down the years. We've been spoilt. But oh, yeah. I think everyone will look at yesterday, won't they, in, in that way. Um, I mean, in terms of Cardiff, as you say, I mean, they probably felt that obviously Steve Morrison has done a decent job on the whole. He's pulled them out of trouble. Were they on the right track? It's a major setback, really, isn't it, for the manager and a lot of the comments that he said. And, you know, they're, they're on a big rebuild, probably a bit like what we were in the summer just gone because they've got a lot of players out of contract that are on wages that they, they can't, you know, afford to pay for next season. So it's going to be a rebuild then. It's going to be interesting to see what direction they, they decide to go in. But, yeah, I mean, days like that are never going to help you, with they? So, yeah, they need to bounce back quickly I would say to help people forget I think they, they still probably won't forget but at the same time it's you need, you've got to do something for your fans haven't you when you've humiliated them like that really so I think that's the big thing and like I said for the Swans it's buys the manager more time and and yeah and it's it is a sign that we're on the right track really because it probably was the best we've played all season and you know we've done it in the game that matters the most to us Yep, and uh, just on Steve Morrison, um, two of the last three uh, Cardiff managers to lose to Swansea lasted uh, less than a fortnight in the job after after that result, and uh, the other one lasted just forty days. So um, there we go. He's uh, he's had a lot of praise recently, uh, Steve Morrison, but uh, that's a stat that may worry him. Who knows? I uh, I can't see him leaving quite so early myself, but um, it's certainly done a heck of a lot of damage for his credibility as a manager um and and his record at cardiff um which was being praised of course before this game but now i think fans are looking at it quite differently um let's very quickly move on to talk about the uh, the the two games that are coming up this week as if anybody cares about them um but we've got to do our bit come on let's let's discuss it um we've got an away game at millwall uh in midweek uh millwall actually um, having a really good second half of the season, I think they've won, they've lost just one of the last ten games. They went on a really good run, uh, winning run recently, um, beating the likes of QPR and Sheffield United and Huddersfield um, in, in their recent run. So, Matt, um, it, it's um, I think it's fair to say that we're likely to get a much tougher test 
against Millwall than the one we got against Cardiff. Yeah, uh, you know, and and for the four listeners left who haven't just pressed pause or stop after we finish talking about the Cardiff game, <laughs> I think this will be, um, you know, I think I'm not sure that people are going to be uh, overly upset. I think we're, this this is going to reverberate around the city, as Steve said earlier, for generations. This isn't going to go away next year. This isn't going to go. There's going to be you know, Cardiff fans talk about the FA Cup win. And like none of them were even bloody alive when it happened. This is a similar sort of feat for uh, in terms of the South Wales derby, the first double, the seven nil. Were you there? Did you see it? Where were you when that happened? You know, for Swans, it's it's so big to 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 to, to break that duck and to be the first team to do it. Um, that it almost feels unfair that we have to play. Um, so soon afterwards, because I think really speaking, how are you going to get the players up for that? How 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 are you going to, you know, you really want to send them away for a week, you know, and get them party and have a really release as if like always like one promotion kind of thing and then bring them back to bring, bring them back to earth. But it's got to be uh, it's got to be back to business. Um, and Russell Martin's got a job on his hands to get those players with that same fire in their bellies as they brought on on Saturday. But I'm sure the game itself will be a tougher affair. And I'm sure Millwall um, will will have watched our result and hope for a, a case of uh, after the Lord Mayor's show. And Steve, we have had experiences in the past haven't we, where we've been celebrating beating Cardiff and then the next game hasn't really um, produced much and, and we've um, you know lost with a bit of a whimper. Um, are you scared the same thing's going to happen this time around or... Is there a chance you to actually build on what many people would say was our best performance of the season and, and you know, try to attack this game with more confidence than we would usually? Because our away record, um, other than Saturday's um, 4-0 win, hasn't been particularly great this season. Yeah, I mean, we are up to six away wins now, obviously, because we did win at Peterborough as well, didn't we? So we're sort of, it's probably shot up now to maybe a little bit more average as opposed to being awful, but... I really have expected and after the Lord Mayor's show. I mean, a few of the players were were out having some drinks last night, which they probably shouldn't do in general if you've got a Tuesday game. But I'm happy to make an exception because there's not a lot left to play for and they did achieve something that, you know, we've been craving. So there's no criticisms from me on that. But look, I I can't see us being great on Tuesday is the honest answer. But <laughs> I will let them off. It's not a problem. It's one of those things. I'm glad I'm not going for it that way. I think they could play like still hungover, and I think people just wouldn't care. I don't think anybody's thinking about this game. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, it's uh, playing. There's no need. Can we just bask in the glory in it for another? Few and we days, can end the it? season now. Can we? You can write to the EFL and say we'll just finish on 38 games. It's fine. Let's never bother again. <laughs> let's just go back to talking about Cardiff. It's much yeah, better. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Millwall, they're, they're tenth in the table. I think they've. They've or maybe got. I think they're probably looking at a potential playoff run. You know, one of those teams yeah. that could make it into the playoffs later on. Um, usually, a team that you'd associate with draws, really, and not wins. But um, could be a could be a tough one um, th- this night. I mean, it's they they seem to have clicked in the second half of the season, and um, this may be the season that they do make it into the playoffs. So let's just move on quickly with a with a um, prediction. Matt, what do you think the score is going to be? Um, two nil to Millwall. Steve. Yeah, I'm uh, thinking the same. 
Uh, I'll go. I'll go for some post uh, derby optimism. Say you know we can do absolutely anything, and we're going to go and win one nil at the end. We're definitely losing then. Yeah, we're definitely losing because as we know, I gave this one the kiss of life by predicting Cardiff would win. Um, shout out by the way to um, Paul Stanley who um, shouted from the back end of the of the away end um, to remind me that I predicted a two one win for Cardiff um, on Saturday. Um, so um, yeah, a couple of people have reminded me that I. Um, that, that I predicted a defeat um, in, in the last game. Um, but I did also, of course, add the caveat that if um, that it often comes down to attitude and if we, you know, we we do often turn up um, for the for, for the derby, even when our form isn't that particularly great. Um, but there we go. So uh, two defeats and uh, a win from our Millwall predictions. Um, we've then got a game coming up against Derby um, at home um, on Saturday. Uh, Steve Darby in a very different situation to Millwall. We know the kind of problems they've had off field. Um, it's getting to a pretty desperate stage of the season for them on the field. Um, they are, what, six points adrift of safety, having played a game more than um, all of uh, the teams around them. So, I mean, with six games left to play for them, they're going to be coming to the Liberty looking for a win and nothing else, are they? Well, must win. It's surely for Derby. They have to go into every game look, looking that way. I mean, they, it's going to take four wins at least, I would have thought, mm. for them to have a chance of staying up. So yeah, they, they'll come down. At some point, they're going to have to have a goal rush. I think it's as simple as that. So that'll be it'll be an interesting one because I think they might bring a fair few, a fair crowd down as well because obviously it is a big game for them. So I've had that a lot recently, and we were felt like for most of the season. Hardly anyone has come down here, but we've had Coventry and Birmingham recently and brought a fair few so of Bristol City. So I think we might have the same thing now on Saturday, which always makes for a better atmosphere, doesn't it? So, look, I mean, I don't, Derby clearly, I think, in all fairness, have done pretty well considering they've got a small squad and obviously they're massively up against it. It'd be easy just to think, well, we're going down. What can we do about it? But they haven't done that, have they, to be fair to them? So I've got a respect for, for what they've done on the pitch wise and. I think we need to be fair has come up with a lot of credit as well. But, you know, essentially Derby have been cheated for years and they and I think ultimately they're gonna pay uh, the price for that. But obviously I hope that uh, you know the, the financially they do get sorted because it would be a you know a, a tragedy really for a club like that to fold. So I fingers crossed that that will be sorted, but you know, if it means they go down, I mean it's in the grand scheme of things, I really don't think it's the end of the world at the moment, but yeah, it would be nice to get a result, I think, in uh, in this game, wouldn't it? I mean, in front of our own fans, there should be a good atmosphere. Yeah, it's just going to be bouncing. Yeah, because everyone's going to be uh, reveling over Cardiff. Sorry if I, I couldn't uh, go more than a minute without mentioning that. So, um, yeah, uh, bring on Saturday. Yeah, and, you know, everybody who couldn't be at the Cardiff City Stadium on Saturday is going to be desperate for a ticket um, to the Liberty. But, yeah, you make a good point there, Steve. I think Derby, they do tend to bring a lot of away fans um, they've their fans have been really good this season, considering everything that's um, been going against them, and with you know things looking pretty desperate for their uh, league position at the moment, you'd expect a big crowd. The one thing I will say, Matt, is they had a major result on uh, April, which um, had it gone the other way, I think you would have probably said that they they would probably they'd probably be doomed by this stage. Um, but they got a, a very late winner thanks to Ravel Morrison against um, Preston North End, a pretty scrappy goal. Um, to give to give them that victory, which does keep them within six points of safety, um, but that has followed 
a, a really dismal run of form where they just kept on losing and losing and losing. Um, what do you think, Matt? Is it too late for them now? Because in fairness, they're, the other teams around them aren't particularly great shakes either. But have they left it a bit too late now to save themselves? I, I, I think so. I think so. I, I, I think six points with six games left and the other teams put the potential of extending that with a game in hand uh, is is a bit too much of an ask. It's not impossible. You know, bigger things have happened in football. But, um, you know, I, let's have a look at what Derby got left. You know, they, you know if they're playing dead rubbers like like us, then then potentially. But, um, I, I, you know, they, they've got us, then they've got Fulham. I, I, we might call that a dead rubber because they're champions-elect, aren't they, really? Um, QPR, Bristol City, Blackpool... And finish the season with uh, Cardiff. Oh, there we are. I couldn't go a minute without mentioning them either. <laughs> There's an easy two points. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, do you know what? I don't care about Derby. Uh, they've cheated. Mel Morris has cheated. Their fans will ever probably um, are feeling very hard done by, by it. But they went from Frank Lampard's Derby to Wayne Rooney's Derby. They went um, sold the stadium to themselves and stuff and whatnot. And their fans knew what was going on. They might not have been happy with it, but they, they, it's been caught up with them. Uh, and essentially... You know, they, 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 they go into, it looks like they probably pay the price for it. I'm just buzzing that we're going to have that afternoon um, to, to celebrate uh, with with 10 times, 20 times as many fans in the stadium, celebrate the Cardiff game again. I know that seems a bit thing because it's in all, it's football moves on and stuff, but this doesn't, this won't go away as quickly as other results. And I, I think that atmosphere is going to be absolutely bouncing, irrespective of what happens against Millwall. I really do. I think it's going to be a part of the atmosphere. And I think we're going to get a fair few new songs around the Liberty as well. Yes, uh, yes, we will. Repeated, repeated from Saturday. Um, just to, just to remind anybody in attendance um, who didn't know for, by some bizarre miracle uh, that we had won 4-0 against Cardiff. I think there'll be quite a few good songs there to remind people about that. Um, I mean, f- nobody really cares. Again, <laughs> you know, we're, everybody who's tuned into this podcast wanted to hear about one match and one match only. But, um, Steve, we've uh, we've had one derby win. Are we going to have another derby win? Oh, that was cool. Yeah, that, that <laughs> that was was yeah I mean... Let's be honest. I think the, the derby win that we just had would never match up to the uh, a potential derby win next Saturday. But um, I'm gonna sit on the fence and go one all. That's what about you? I am going to say that this is going to be a resounding Swans win. Um, a few reasons. First of all, as you say, Derby have to come for a win, so they they're going to have to come at us. That took that that will play in our favour. The atmosphere is going to be so electric. I think the players will feed off it. I think our fans are so um, important, especially we were discussing earlier on with the stadium setup, with the loud fans being across the pitch rather than behind the goal. I think it helps, and I think the players feed off it a lot more than in other stadiums. Um, so. In that regard, the party atmosphere, that kind of feel, will will that feel good situation? I think it'll work. I think it'll help the team on the pitch even more. Um, and I, I think we, I think we might win this one three 0 Wow, that, that that's even more optimistic than my Millwall uh, prediction, <laughs> um, which I don't, which I don't actually think we'll beat Millwall. By the way, but hey, there we go. Um, Derby, I, I, but I do think we'll beat Derby. I do think, like you said, they'll be coming down here desperate for a win. I don't think that necessarily suits them in the way they play. 
Um, and I think actually we'll be pretty well suited to that. So I think we'll we'll get a one 0 win against um, Derby, which will um, just uh, well once again help them on their way to to League One. Uh, unfortunately for them, um, but hopefully we'll be uh, able to continue the party from the Cardiff City match. Uh, we really hope that you've enjoyed this podcast as much as we've enjoyed recording it. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Not quite as much fun as sitting through 90 minutes of humiliation for your rivals, but... Sitting. Who was sitting? That's it. Yesterday. <laughs> there, there wasn't a single bum on seat in, the, in that way, end, was there? Um, yeah, so... Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed uh, reliving the beauty that was Saturday's South Wales derby. Um, I'm afraid to tell you that nothing else that happens this season will match up to that. But, um, well, we can just uh, live off the good vibes from Saturday until uh, until the next derby comes along and until our next chance to emphasise once again that there is only one team in Wales. Until next time, thank you very much for listening. Mm-hmm.